0: This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station.
1: By the Book on BFM 89.9.
2: Hello everybody and welcome to By the Book. I'm Lee Chwilin joining me as always, uh, my fellow lover of Malaysian writing and fiction, Shamila Ganesan. Yes, always nice to do a local focused episode. Yes, and today is the most locally focused episode that I think we've ever done. Uh, just to set the stage, we are not going to be having a footnotes. Usually in the second part of our show, we, we close off with a little segment um, that we call footnotes. For today though, we are going to be evenly, more or less, dividing our show um, between highlighting two anthologies that were published recently that focus um, in many ways on emerging writers here in Malaysia. So the first one is actually Peluru Aksara, which is a Bahasa Malaysia anthology that really focuses on um, the language, really wants to highlight writing in our national language, and is actually a product of uh, the first Lockdown, I believe, MCO. Um, It was written in that time. Um, It was edited by Udaya Shankar.
1: And later, we'll also be speaking to two uh, poets who are featured in an anthology of poetry called Malaysian Millennial Voices, edited by Malachi Edwin Vedamani.
2: So first up, uh, speaking about Peluru Aksara are P.L. Wang and Anuradha Chalia. Anuradha, P.L., thank you so much for taking the time.
3: Thank you, thank you for having thank us you, here. Thank you for giving us the opportunity.
2: Uh, so let's start with Peluru Aksara, right? How did it come about as a collection, and how did how did each of you get involved?
4: So actually, it was a very epic meet with um, Navanita. So Navanita is also one of the um, authors that is in Peluru Aksara, and she introduced to me to this group of um, uh, group of writers uh, in this Peluru Aksara project. And it's like it was out of the blue, and we chatted for our love of music music and also books, especially local authors um, with A. Samad Syed and uh, Faisal Tarani, her favourite, and that sparked onto an invitation for this anthology's participation. And not only that, it was also something um, that I've always had at the back of my mind, but yet not really, you know, thinking that am I ready or, um, you know, you don't know if you don't try. So that was also reflected in one of the um, puisi that I've wrote in the uh, Palura Aksara. Okay, um, as for me, I, uh, this is
3: my third anthology with uh, Udaya Shankar, okay, uh, with this group of writers. The first one was uh, Busana Bahasa. After that, we came out with Landasan Hidup, uh, and now this uh, Peluru Aksara. So it's actually a continuation with uh, most of the writers who have participated in his previous anthologies also uh, joined in uh, this Peluru Aksara. So uh, in the beginning, uh, we wanted it to be a yearly collection of anthologies. Okay, with, of course, with the commitment of uh, the writers who are involved. So, um, how it came about is because uh, we started to have writing workshops to publish for uh, Dewan Basa and other uh, Basa Malaysia magazines and also um, uh, books uh, and uh, magazines that are available throughout the country. Uh, And then uh, during one of the meet, uh, we decided why not we start up an anthology compile all the collection of these uh, writers, so that's how the idea came about. And Kuluru uh, Aksara is the third anthology that we came out together. So I so, have been
1: sorry.
3: Yeah. Go on. So I've been uh, in uh, three anthologies uh, with Odishankar uh, actually.
1: You both have um, a few uh, entries in this anthology. Tell us about those contributions and uh, what, what were the things that you wanted to explore with, the, with your writings in this? Most of my writings, I try
3: to focus on um, what uh, women are going through, especially Indian women. I try to highlight uh, the Indian culture through the writings in the Malay language so it gets exposed to the other communities in our country. We do not have much uh, uh, writings uh, in BM uh, highlighting the plights of the community. So, through these writings, also uh, connecting it with my life, whatever I have gone through, okay, and interrelating it, uh, what my friends have gone through, what what happens in the daily life, okay. So, all this I try to interrelate and come out with uh, my PUISI, my essays, and my charpas in the anthologies, and uh, i also wrote something about the on the english language in the sekolah uh, kebangsaan for this time it's an essay especially in the rural areas what's happening to the english language uh, how teachers are struggling as well as trying their best to contribute okay, That uh, that's what i highlighted in uh, this peluru aksara
4: for me, it's a bit different. Um, actually, I would like to quote another author in this anthology, Jemani uh, Sevanadan. So she mentioned Sasrawala milik semua." So as a Malaysian, um, really hope to have this anthology as to be a part of Malaysiana history as well, and not only that, to also share with other fellow Malaysians or speakers of the language so that it is fun, you know. And um, the more aesthetics part of the language, of course, I wanted to explore is a theme of duality, um, how one perceives a word and can be perceived in another meaning or totally different meaning altogether. Even with just one word, right? Akṣara, for example. So that was the intention. And um, in short, it was more of a word play for me.
2: And. I I love that we're talking about language because um, that's the the next focus. Um, We we don't talk a lot about Bahasa Malaysia on our show. We're an English-speaking station. Um, A lot of the books that we talk about on the show are also English medium books. But um, how did you each become interested in writing in Bahasa? You know, why was that something that was important to you? Um, Anuradha, maybe let's start with you. Okay.
3: Um, For me, I think I took it up as a challenge. Why not I go into writing uh, in Bahasa Malaysia? Because... uh, my background was uh, I come come from Sekolah Kebangsaan, so I have the Malay background. So uh, and uh, when I have also written uh, poems and uh, short stories in English, which has been published in uh, some of the uh, media's. But then uh, after reading Uday Shankar and getting a boost from him, that means he actually motivated me and encouraged me to write uh, in Bahasa So I I uh, picked up the language seriously saying after SPN really uh, never touched much uh, BM books or read anything Mm. in BM because most of the things that we do outside is all in English. So the focus was more on the English language and not in Basa. After meeting him and after reading books written by him, which actually uh, has a good uh, command of the language, I somehow became very interested and I started to pick up the language again Started to read uh, Bahasa Mal- Malaysia magazines, especially from uh, Dewan Bahasa and Budaya, uh, and indirectly this uh, became an, uh a motivation for me to come out with my own writings. So, um, so somehow from there it started, and uh, now it seems like uh, whenever I think of something, I seem seem to think in Basa Malaysia. <laughs> <laughs> it's very true. Yeah, yeah, I seem to think in Bahasa Malaysia and. Uh, and the flow seems to, uh, it just comes, you know, mm-hmm. after starting to do that. So I think uh, there was a booster. Eh? Once there's a booster, it just comes. Okay, so I feel uh, I must thank him for that, for giving me that motivation and that encouragement.
4: For, for me, it was, it was really a challenge, as what um, Anuradha okay. has mentioned, the challenge of writing in a language that is not your mother's tongue. Or, or your first language for the fact. And I've always been um, trying to dabble into some nonsensical uh, silliness, you know, with, with pantones, especially. So for, for myself, I'm very intrigued with simpulam bahasa or idioms and also peribahasa proverbs um, because they have such illustration of choice with visual images um, and very subtle languages um, with connotations to it. Um, it's part of a very uh, creative form of outlet um, to, to not only learn and also grab the language comprehension. And I have to really say, um, I wasn't really great in my BM in school. And it's just chukuk <laughs> <laughs> makan. Yeah. Mm.
1: So I was also curious about the time in which that you wrote this, right? Because from what we understand, this is a project that began during the uh, during the pandemic and the different MCOs. So how did this affect um, both your writing process as well as the compiling of the stories?
4: Um, uh, it started sometime in April uh, 2020, uh, back then um, they were like back-to-back MCOs. Something was happening. It was, you know, such a huge thing. And it was really mind-grueling as well um, for me as a noob or a newbie um, because there were a lot of, um along the way, um, I'm really, you know, new to this um, writing landscape as well. And, and along, along the way, there were a lot of um video and virtual calls that we had, Um, back-and-forth back emails. There were a lot of text discussions. Um, I really have to thank, um, like what Anuradha mentioned, um, really to thank uh, Mr. Uthaya Shankar because he's our editor and he kept our heads and our assignments on the dot, on the time. And we were lucky to have um, that as well. And not only that, um, there were a lot of criticism which from uh, our fellow writers as well, who were very, very sharp, but very constructive and uh, from the anthology. And it's it has been a very hilly, steep learning curve uh, for me. And um, we we're very lucky to have all the communication tools that we have right now in the internet and um, of, of all the video calls and um, to finish up our deadlines. And Kamu's Day One Online was and is still my lifeline.
3: like what uh, Wang mentioned uh, the uh, electronic media was a great help uh, during this uh, pandemic uh, time so we communicated mainly using these uh, electronic media and of course the writers gave uh, a good commitment, we actually uh, chose a few writers and uh, they became our beta readers Mm -hmm. Okay, so once uh, they become our beta reader of course they'll give some constructive comments, they'll give uh, some ideas to improve on our writing so all these helped us. I mean, helped me a lot to improve on my writing and uh, to actually uh, think and do some research before putting it into the final draft and uh, giving it to the editor. Um, I think that's how we worked. I mean, uh, pandemic was not uh, was uh, didn't put a hindrance to us. Okay, we just continued uh, writing and we managed to come out with the final anthology. Um, I think earlier than we planned, the anthology was already ready. Yes. Yeah.
2: So, it, it's cool. very clear that you're both passionate um, about, the, about the book um, and about the process of writing and the process of using the language. Um, for the reader's point of view, though, what are you hoping that readers will feel when they are leafing through Paluru Aksara? Um, Anuradha, let's start with you.
3: Okay. Um, this, Peluru Aksara is actually uh, an anthology which comprises of writers from uh, various uh, backgrounds, okay, race, and culture. So each and every one of them share their thoughts, put in their hard work. Some of them share their experiences, something that happened along the highway. Okay, something that ha- happened along the highway. So he has actually put it into words and uh, very beautifully described. So uh, I think with uh, different uh, backgrounds and cultures, all comprised into a book, I'm sure the readers will be able to get a very good interpretation of the various uh, cultures and backgrounds in our country, which, uh, which rarely happens, I would say, which, which rarely uh, happens uh, in many other anthologies. I'm sure the readers will get something based on their very own interpretation. Each and every reader, they have their own uh, interpretation once they read something. So it, uh, it uh, falls back on the reader, actually. But I'm uh, I'm quite uh, uh, certain the readers will not be disappointed in getting Peluru Aksara from us and from as well as from the other uh, writers who have joined us in the book.
4: PL, your thoughts? Um, I would say first of all, don't judge a book by its cover. Just because the cover it's you know may not um, be sensational uh, and full of illustration by a professional um but i did put up a forward in the book itself to uh, inform the readers or uh, potential readers right kepada pembaca peluru aksara anda akan dibawa mengembara ke alam-alam dengan so it's it's really a multifaceted stories from malaysians of all walks in life but not only that it is written in the national language so it's just like your nasilama know, made from you know different people similar like your char kuih teow, stir-fried with many flavours, or just your, you know, your puri, eh, served hot and yet relatable.
1: That is a great, <laughs> nice. great lead-in to the, the next question I was going to ask, which is that mm-hmm. for writers who um, might want to try writing in BM, particularly for those like you who hadn't necessarily done it, uh, but don't know quite how to start, what would be some suggestions?
4: Um, I think uh, maybe first of all, you can visit our Facebook page uh, which is um, Paluru Aksara. And uh, from there, uh, you can also get in touch with us. And I, I think, um, first of all, do not, uh, Hase, uh afraid to fail. So you have to start writing. At least write the first few words. Start with something simple that you may know. Just two words, three words, and then you build on from there. And um, we, from, from our group of uh, Hazi authors, we were very supportive. And like what Anuradha mentioned, we have a lot of better readers and uh, people who have uh, experience in writing. They can actually, uh, you know, bring you along the real, uh, you know, whole journey along the way.
5: Yeah.
4: Mm-hmm. And as
3: um, for me, I would say, um, don't be hesitant. Just go for it. Uh, you know, at least uh, spend uh, five to ten minutes each day putting down what happened on your daily life. That can be a start. Okay, even if it is in a language that you are trying to challenge yourself. Of course, if you say writing in BN. Uh, okay. If you are worried about that you are getting the words uh, not right, do your reference, get someone to check. Because, you, because if you are beginning to write, that means you already have the interest, you already have the passion, you are starting. It's just that you are very reluctant. You are hesitant because someone might not uh, want to read your writing. writing. Why, uh, why must we be hesitant? It's just you are, you are putting what, what is in your thought into words. Okay, so that's what we are going to do. So go for it. I would say you have to go for it. But uh, use all the resources that we have. Uh, Get use of uh, DBP online, um, dictionaries, get their magazine read because they are the ultimate source for Basa Malaysia in our country. So, I mean, go for it. Get them, read them. Not only that, uh, get some Basa Malaysia um, newspapers. I think uh, Utusan is also doing very well. I mean, their write-ups are quite good nowadays. So, read, pick up the language. And start somewhere. Don't be afraid to start. We have to begin somewhere to uh, to continue it. The beginning has to be there for the continuation. So I would say that.
2: That's a lovely message. I think that's that's very achievable, and everybody can walk out and pick up a copy of yeah. <laughs> of something local and read. Um. So, in closing. We're talking today about this particular anthology, but what's next for each of you? Are you planning to continue writing? Are you planning to continue publishing? Um, PL, maybe you can go first?
4: Um, what's next for me? Um, I'm actually exploring um, some poetry in series uh, and also some sajak, so both in Malay, in the Malay language and also English. Um, I'm also trying to read as much as possible to have a better um, a local uh, landscape feel of the authors out there. And actually, there are so many, many talents out there. And so please don't be good in supporting our local authors out there and hopefully not post humorous yeah, so I'm trying to procrastinate as well. Daydream a little bit more uh, on some uncooked short stories uh, shared by my elders. You know, especially those machi machi stories, right? That you hear from yesteryears. You know, digging things from the ground. Scary, yet relatable. Yet also similar to the modern themes uh, uh, of the world today. Very relevant. Anuradha? I would say um,
3: reading is very important. You have to read, read and read and then you start writing. So, um I do read uh, a lot. I do get uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of magazines and uh, read the latest uh, words being uh, introduced by uh, Devan Basa so that it can be incorporated in my writing. So currently, I'm also working on an anthology for Hari Guru, uh, which is uh, hopefully it will be published uh, the coming Hari Guru. So I'm working on that. And oh, that's pretty soon. Uh, yeah, that's pretty soon. It's already been submitted, just waiting for the book to be published. Okay, and also a few other um, uh, submissions that I have done, just waiting for it to go through and waiting for the book to be printed out and out in the market. So uh, that's what basically I'm doing, just exploring other fields of writing. I started with uh, by writing a poise. So now I've gradually gone into a cherpen as well as essays to Start. We have to start somewhere. Okay, that's my uh, motive. I would say.
2: Anurada, P.L. Thank you both so much for speaking with us.
3: Thank you so much. Thank you for giving. Thank you for having us.
2: That was P.L. Wang and Anuradha Chelya, two of the writers of Peluru Aksara, which again is an anthology in Bahasa Malaysia. And uh, we've really just been chatting about the, the joys of writing in Bahasa Malaysia and learning to write better in our national language as well, more than anything else. And that anthology is actually going to be available directly from the writers. You can contact them. You can also find it as well as uh, writing advice and support on the Facebook page, Baluru Aksara. Um, if you'd like to share your thoughts on Malaysian writing, especially in Malay, you can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899. You can tweet us at BFM Radio. Write to us, of course, at buythebook at bfm.my. After this, we are going to be speaking with two poets featured in Malaysian Millennial Voices, Keep it here. This is By the Book, BFM 89.9.
0: Brainy, fancy material. BFM 89.9.
2: Hello, you are listening to By the Book with Lynn and Sharmila. Um, as mentioned today, we are highlighting emerging Malaysian writers earlier on by looking at uh, two contributors to Peluru Aksara, which is an anthology in Bahasa Malaysia. And up next, um, a change of pace. We are going to be speaking with two Poets to Young Poets, actually, featured in Malaysian Millennial Voices, which is an anthology edited by Malachi Edwin Vethamani. Uh, so joining us now to discuss this, we have Loshni Nae and Yi Hengye. Um Loshni, Hengye, thank you both so much for speaking with us.
5: Thank you for thank you. having us. Yeah,
0: thanks for having us.
2: Uh, so we wanted to know, um, or to start off with, when you became interested in writing poetry and why. Uh, Loshni, maybe you can start us off.
5: Okay. Um, I think my earliest memory of writing poetry was about um, around the age of 15 when I was in high school. Um, I don't remember why exactly I turned to poetry, but um, I was always a person who enjoyed keeping to myself. I had a big group of friends who enjoyed talking about everything. But when it came to my emotions and feelings, I preferred to deal with it myself. So um, poetry was a way for me to express my emotions and feelings and thoughts without necessarily having to engage in conversations, without having to justify my emotions Mm -hmm. or the what's, why's and how's. Um, and I really enjoyed the freedom that I had with the paper, the pencil and the pen, you know. Um, there was no need to um, filter myself or my thoughts. And it was just a way for me to explore what I was feeling in silence. Can you?
0: I think um, for me, I, I started getting into poetry a bit later um, in life, which was in university, uh, where I did an English degree. <laughs> so, you know, of course, that was where I started Um, learning how to uh, started getting exposed to reading poetry and not just as like homework, um, but as you know, as as poems. Right. Uh, And also I took a few creative writing modules um, when I was there. So I think um, that was how I started getting into the writing part.
1: And I was wondering how you both ended up in this anthology. What was the process of getting published? Uh, How did you submit? And what did it feel like when you knew you were going to be in it?
0: Uh, Yeah, so I actually heard about the call um, for submissions from Professor Malachi because uh, he taught uh, at the University of Nottingham where I studied. Um, Yeah, and so I just thought, you know, I should just go for it. Um, And I I already had some poems. um, So it was just a matter of choosing... Which ones I wanted to submit, uh, and yeah, it was it was absolutely a great honor to be you know to be chosen for, for a collection like this.
5: And Lushki, okay, uh, my story is a little bit more complicated than that. Um, I also like Hengye did an English degree, and Professor Malachi was my lecturer as well as my personal tutor. I would say it's um, equivalent to sort of a mentor mentee relationship. So uh, that afternoon, I had just gotten uh, into a meeting with him. And at the end of the session, uh, he said, you know, I'm thinking of compiling an anthology of young Malaysian poets. And I, at that point, I was very, very um, riddled with anxiety. I suffered from poor self-esteem as well as uh, imposter syndrome. So the moment he said that, the only thing that was running through my head was, please don't ask me, please don't ask me, please don't ask me. But he ended up asking me anyway. He said, uh, I'm I'm hoping that you will contribute to the collection. And obviously, I made so many excuses. I said things like, oh, but I'm an amateur. I don't have enough training. I haven't done this before. Uh, long story short, I ended up leaving the session with a buttload of excuses. And I said that you may hear from me, you may not hear from me. Whatever it is, don't take it personally. <laughs> so, um, so. Um. Uh, I graduated shortly after that and it was during summer break that I actually saw the call on my Facebook timeline again. And at this point, I basically ran out of excuses because um, some of the excuses I made were like, oh, I'm ha- I have to focus on getting this degree. I have to focus on writing my research papers. I have to focus on getting good enough. And at this point, I already had the certificate in my hand, so I ran out of excuses and I was also waiting um, to hear back on my PhD application. So I had a lot of free time and I just thought to myself, you know, maybe it's time to start the writing career. Um, It's okay if you get rejected. And I think one of the things that really stopped me from trying was my fear of rejection. Um, I grew up in a family of very, very smart people who are constantly achieving things. So there's a general fear of, you know, being uh, a disappointment, not achieving stuff. And so at that point, I just convinced myself it's okay if you don't get selected, if you get rejected, at least uh, you know that, you know, uh, you still have to improve your skills and just learn from your mistakes. And I decided to just give it a go. So, yeah.
2: I I don't know if you'll both agree, but I felt that your poems were very distinct from one another, actually, and that you each have a a distinct style that is very different from each other. So I was curious about how you would describe the type of poetry you write and the sorts of themes that you usually gravitate towards. Um, Henge, let's start with you.
0: Uh, I guess for me, um, the poems um, that were selected were actually written at um, very different times um, and not necessarily... You know, in chronological terms, but um, in terms of what I was preoccupied with um, when I was writing them. Uh, so, yeah, uh, like, you know, the spider one was a bit more spoken-worthy. You know, I tried to put in like a few more rhymes uh, for the sake of that. Um, and then the childhood was a Sestina, you know, which is like a form. Uh, and then the political story one was written just last year um, because of, well, you know, what happened. Uh, and, and yes, yeah, so I think I, I'm still sort of exploring the different kind of forms um, and, and, you know, what my quote-unquote voice as, as a poet is. Uh, but yeah, and, I, I actually wanted to say that, you know, reading Loshni's piece, um, uh, the, the Daddy, I think uh, is titled, it reminded me of um, my political story one because I felt it was sort of coming from the same place and the same time, um, politically, and you know the idea of of almost bearing witness to the the things that are happening um, around us.
5: Okay, um, so for me, I would describe my writing style as very um, no frills and fuss. I'm a confessional poet, so by nature, my poetry is very raw, honest, straightforward. There's no fancy, flowery language. Just just pure emotion on the page, whether it's you know unfiltered rage, sadness, anger. Um, so, And I'm also a very impulsive writer, I don't sit down in front of my laptop and wait for inspiration to strike. I'm typically set off um, by something. And the, my uh, poem, Daddy, was actually triggered after um, that story of the, I think, Sarawakian girl who was uh, taking exams from a treetop. And in that moment, I was so angry, you know, why, why are we allowing students to live like this? Where's the compassion? Where's the empathy? And it, I, I just started drafting it and it just came to shape. Um, the first poem release was actually written as part of my um, degree requirement. So there was a really horrible time in my life because as a creative writing student, we were expected to bring in poems to class every week. And it was torture for me because I'm a very impulsive writer. I have to wait for inspiration. But um, this was really challenging and it came from a place of hurt. And I think these are generally themes that I work with. Which, um, which are mental health, the female body, as well as politics, things that I'm very passionate about. And I think that's just reflected in my work.
1: And I was wondering um, whether there are other poets or writers that you look to for either inspiration or, uh, you know, for ideas and so
5: on. I was thinking about this yesterday, and I don't think I'm necessarily inspired by poets as much as I'm inspired by poems and things around me. Um, So if I were to be scrolling my Twitter timeline and I see someone post a piece of their writing, I would be inspired by that. I could be sitting in a coffee shop in the morning eating toast and I, would, I could be inspired by that. Or like I said earlier, I could be scrolling through the news and feel something and even inspired by that. But if we're talking about figures, I think um, two inspirations, um, Sylvia Plath, I know she's such a cliche in mainstream now, um, but as a young teen, um, her work really appealed to me just because she's a confessional poet as well. Um, so her work was very accessible, and she was also ta- dealing with a lot of themes that were common to me so they were very understand- understandable and it didn't take you know like um, a very deep understanding of what poetry is to actually understand what she was trying to convey and in a local way I would say Bernice Cholly I was very um, lucky to be able to be a student for one year throughout my degree but also her work is a uh, very confessional in nature raw on a straight poet. so I think my inspirations are drawn from them and that's reflected in the forms I choose to work with as well. Um, and Hengi?
0: Um, of course, yeah, like like, me, I, I draw from a lot of um, a wide variety of inspirations. Um, but uh, one poet that I would say has an outsized influence on me is um, a Polish poet named Wiswawa Szymborska. Uh, yeah, and what I really like about her is she always gives a very fresh perspective on things, even though, you know, there are things that po- poets have talked about a million times over, um, but she manages to, to do it in a way that's um, very understated, but at the same time very playful and ironic. And there's always a great sense of compassion. Um, so I think I've, I've tried to imitate her voice a lot um, because I just love it so much. you know it, it makes you laugh and it makes you cry and it makes you think. Um, yeah, I, I would say she's she's the one poet that has influenced me hugely.
2: Looking at the title of the collection, Malaysian Millennial Voices, the focus um, is on emerging Malaysian poets, particularly millennial poets. Um, For both of you, what do you think is the value in having collections like these, which do highlight aspiring writers?
0: Well, first of all, I I don't know if there's really one way to define millennial, right? Because I think even just looking at this collection, in terms of concerns, language, um, form, right, there's a degree of diversity and, and this is just poems right, written in English. Um, but I would say that allowing um, aspiring poets um, to share their work more widely um, and you know, sort of contribute to the, to the present, presence of poetry in Malaysia um, on the whole, I think it's very uh, it's empowering. I think uh, it gives a sense of confidence or um, maybe legitimacy, not, not just in the eyes of the world, but I think to the poets ourselves. Um, to have published something and of course you know being published or not doesn't define whether someone is a poet but I think um, yeah even I still don't really call myself a poet I'm not really there yet I think Um, but I think being published does help um, gives you that sense of confidence to continue writing and to be like oh you know there are people who, who want to read my work.
2: Loshni, I'm particularly curious about um, how you would respond to this. Because of your journey towards being involved um, in the whole process of publication, what is the value for you in uh, these sorts of collections?
5: Okay, um, I I honestly think collections like this are priceless because they open various doors and opportunities. I mean, I for one would not be sitting here and speaking to you today if I had chosen not to send those poems in for for publication. Um, I think uh, it's also very meaningful in that it showcases a wide range of talents. Uh, I think writers are severely undervalued and underappreciated here. And I think Malaysians still have a tendency to look to the West. You know, they consume so much Western literature because they view it as the standard or benchmark for good quality writing. And I think um, collections like this really showcase the versatility and diversity that we have right here. And I think it's really helpful. I really love the work Professor Malkai does because... Um, what he does is he compiles um, Malaysian literature, um, so things like short stories and poems, and they make it very accessible to Malaysians. So you you know, especially if you start, you're like, you, this is your first time approaching Malaysian literature and you don't know where to start. you just pick up one book and you have an access to 30 different writers And you know, obviously different people have different preferences when they come to literature. and picking up a collection like this, um you get to identify a writers' work that resonate with you and maybe it can even inspire you to start following up on their work. So I, I really think um, it's a fantastic opportunity for young writers.
1: Now, the thing with poetry is that it's widely perceived as being, um, not having a wide audience, not being particularly accessible. Overall, generally not the easiest field to want to write in and work in. How does this define the way you approach your work or think about your work?
0: Um, I think for me, I, I guess I try to strive for clarity in my, in my writing. Um, and even in the po- poets that I like, right? I like it when um, you know you can take away something at the end of it. And of course, this this is this does not define what is or isn't a good poem, but it's just what I like. Um, and at this point, you know, I I guess I don't really think much of you know sort of the audience as in terms of the market or like this abstract commercial idea, because yeah, you know, I'm just sort of writing. Um, for for people, right And if I even get one person who really connects to what I've written, um, not just like oh yeah, you know that's a good poem, but to, to actually have felt something um, then then I'm happy, I guess, yeah.
5: Okay. Um, I think as an aspiring academic and also a writer, accessibility is essentially at the heart of everything I do. You know, I've had my fair share of trying to read journal articles that are written in English, but even though English is my first language, I don't understand what they're trying to say. And so, obscure language is definitely a no-go for me. And I think um that is it. Uh, my approach to both research as well as writing is simple language um, that conveys important messages, powerful impact, and is accessible. Is accessible to even the person who has zero experience with the field. With me, my writing, what you see is what you get. There's no underlying big obscure message for you to spend five days trying to decipher. It's there and you consume it, you understand it, the end.
2: And what what sort of support or encouragement do you think would help other um, aspiring Malaysian poets? Uh, Loshni, maybe we can start with you.
5: Um, Support and encouragement, I think the easiest and most clear answer is funding. Um, I think this is rooted in the entire mentality of the sciences versus the arts. The fact that the sciences are viewed as something people not smart enough the science, people who are not good at math, they turn to arts. Not so clever people, they turn to arts. So I think we um, view arts as like a final resort. And this is reflected in how we treat creatives as well as writers. And every time there's a publication opportunity, oh, we'll we'll pay you an exposure. Yeah, exposure is great. Exposure is fantastic. But I think there needs to be a systemic change. We need to um, change the direction in which we look at the art. I think for most writers now, um, writing and then you have writing on the side. I think and one way we can do this is to by simply paying people. And um, I think just this mentality of the distinction between side. sciences and arts um, forces writers um, between a a stable job that feeds you and keeps your family happy or do you want to keep suffering for the arts quite literally you know starving and not being able to pay your bills but still doing what you love and I think this is tragic because we are losing so much talent this way you know I know so many friends who have chosen to go work nine to five jobs that they absolutely hate because they realize that there's no opportunity um, writing wise here um, I know, like we have the trope of the starving artist, but it's not fun. It's not quirky. It's mean. It's cruel. It's difficult, and we need to change that. Henge? Uh
0: I would say for one, um, so platforms, right? Like this collection and this interview that highlights um, um, the, the voices of, you know, emerging poets, and also um, picking up on what Lochni said. Um, I think, yeah, definitely, we need more. Um, opportunities um, so that you know emerging poets have the time and the space to really work on their craft, right? Because you know people may think that writing poetry is just sort of ah oh, it pops into my head and I, now I type it out in like five minutes, but it is work, right? It takes a lot of thought, It takes a lot of research and reading as well. Um, and so I think it's really important that we have things like yeah, grants, um, you know workshops, residencies for these poets to um, really work on their craft. Um, yeah, because I myself am pretty privileged in that I have a job that has uh, quite flexible timing. So I do have, you know, I'm, I'm able to set out a certain amount of time to you know, work on my sort of creative stuff that you know doesn't really pay the bills. Uh, but not everyone has that right. And so I think, uh, yeah, you know, we're losing a lot of talent um, because of the lack of um, resources and opportunities.
2: Thank you both so much for taking the time to speak with us.
0: Thank you so much.
2: That was Loshni Naye and Yi Heng Ye, two of the poets featured in Malaysian Millennial Voices, uh, which is available right now at all major Malaysian bookshops and online stores. So we want to know, um, you know, how do you feel about... Malaysian writers, um, in general, do you have some favourites, especially uh, those writing in Bahasa or people who write poetry? Perhaps in theme with our show today, you can WhatsApp us zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine, tweet us at BFM Radio, write to us at BuyTheBook at BFM.